Welcome to Puritans Read, reading aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 22 of The Letters of Samuel Rutherford. To James Bounty, Aberdeen, 1637. Loving brother, grace, mercy, and peace be unto you. I received your letter and render you thanks for the same, but I have not time to answer all the heads of it, as the bearer can inform you. Number one, you do well to take yourself at the right start when you wrong Christ by doubting and misbelief, for this is to nickname Christ and term him a liar, which, being spoken to our prince, would be hanging or beheading. But Christ hangeth not always for treason. It is good that he may registrate a believer's bond a hundred times and more than seven times a day have law against us, and yet he spareth us as a man doth his son that serveth him. No tender-hearted mother who may have law to kill her suckling child would put in execution that law. Number two, for your failings, even when you have a set tryst with Christ and when you have a fair seen advantage by keeping your appointment with him, and salvation cometh to the very passing of the seals, I would say two things. One, Concluded and sealed salvation may go through and be ended. Suppose you write your name to the covenant with eek that could hardly be read. Neither think I any man's salvation ever passed the seals, but there was an odd trick or slip, less or more, upon the fool's part, who is enfeoffed in heaven. In the most grave and serious work of our salvation, I think Christ had ever good cause to laugh at our silliness and to put us on his merits that we might bear weight. Two, it is a sweet law of the new covenant and a privilege of the new burg that citizens pay according to their means. For the new covenant saith not so much obedience by ounce weights and no less, under the pain of damnation, Christ taketh as poor men may give. Where there is a mean portion, he is content with the less, if there be sincerity. Broken sums and little weak obedience will be pardoned and hold their footing with him. Know you not that our kindly Lord retaineth his good old heart yet? He breaketh not a bruised reed, nor quencheth the smoking flax. If the wind but blow, he holdeth his hands about it, till it rise to a flame. The law cometh on with three O yeses, with all the heart, with all the soul, and with all the whole strength. And where would poor folks like you and me 
furnish all these sums. It feareth me, nay, it is most certain that if the payment were to come out of our purse, when we should put our hand into our bag, we should bring out the wind or worse. But the new covenant seeketh not heap meat, nor stented obedience as the condition of it, because forgiveness hath always place. Hence, I draw this conclusion, that to think matters betwixt Christ and us go back for want of heaped measure is a piece of old Adam's pride who would either be at legal payment or nothing. We would still have God in our common and by his kindness with our merits. For beggarly pride is devil's honesty and blusheth to be in Christ's common and scarce giveth God a gramercy and a lifted cap, except it be the Pharisees, God, I thank thee, or a bowed knee to Christ. It will only give a good day for a good day again. And if he dissemble his kindness, as it were, and seem to miskin it, it in earnest spurneth with the heels, and snuffeth in the wind, and careth not much for Christ's kindness. If he will not be friends, let him go, saith pride. Beware of this thief when Christ offereth himself. Number three. No marvel, then, of whisperings, whether you be in the covenant or not? For pride maketh loose work of the covenant of grace, and will not let Christ be full bargain-maker. To speak to you particularly and shortly, one, all the truly regenerated cannot determinately tell you the measure of their dejections, because Christ beginneth young with many, and stealeth into their heart ere they are aware, and becometh homely with them, with little din or not noise. I grant that many are blinded in rejoicing in a good cheap conversion that never cost them a sick night, Christ's physic wrought in a dream upon them. But for that, I would say, if other marks be found that Christ is indeed come in, never make plea with him because he will not answer, Lord Jesus, how camest thou in, whether in at door or at window? Make him welcome since he is come. The wind bloweth where it listeth. All the world's wit cannot perfectly render a reason why the winds should be a month in the east six weeks possibly in the west, and the space only of an afternoon in the south or north. You will not find out all the steps of Christ's way with a soul. Do what you can, for sometimes he will come in stepping softly, like one walking beside a sleeping person, and slip to the door and let none know he was there. Two. You object that the truly regenerate should love God for himself, and you fear that you love him more for his benefits 
as incitements and motives to love him than for himself. I answer, to love God for himself as the last end and also for his benefits as incitements and motives to love him may stand well together. As a son loveth his mother because she is his mother, howbeit she is poor, and he loveth her for an apple also. I hope that you will not say that benefits are the only reason and bottom of your love. It seemeth there is a better formulation, foundation for it. Always, if a hole be in it, sew it up shortly. 3. You feel not such mourning in Christ's absence as you would. I answer that the regenerate mourn at all times, and all in a like measure, for his absence I deny. There are different degrees of mourning, less or more, as they have less or more love to him, and less or more sense of his absence. But some they must have. Sometimes they miss not the Lord, and then they cannot mourn. Howbeit, it is not long so, at least it is not always so. 4. You challenge yourself that some truths find more credit with you than others. You do well, for God is true in the least as well as in the greatest, and he must be so to you. You must not call him true in one page of the leaf and false in the other, for our Lord, in all his writings, never contradicted himself yet. Although the best of the regenerate have slipped here, always labor you to hold your feet. Number four. Comparing the state of one truly regenerate whose heart is a temple of the Holy Ghost and yours, which is full of uncleanness and corruption, you stand dumb and discouraged and dare not sometimes call Christ heartsomely your own. I answer, one, the best regenerate have their defilements that will clog behind them all their days, and wash as they will, there will be filth in their bosom. But let not this put you from the well. Two, albeit there be some ounceweights of carnality and some squint look or eye in our neck to an idol, yet love in its own measure may be sound. For glory must purify and perfect our love it will never till then be absolutely pure. Yet if the idol reign and have the yoke of the heart and the keys of the house and Christ only be made an underling to run errands, all is not right. Therefore, examine well. Three, there is a twofold discouragement. One of unbelief to conclude and make doubt of the conclusion, for a mote in your eye and a by-look to an idol, this is ill. 
There is another discouragement of sorrow for sin. When you find a by-look to an idol, this is good and a matter of thanksgiving. Therefore, examine here also. Five, the assurance of Jesus' love, you say, would be the most comfortable news that ever you heard. Answer, that may stop 20 holes and loose many objections. That love hath telling in it, I trow. Oh, that you knew and felt it, as I have done. I wish you a share of my feast. Sweet, sweet hath it been to me. If my Lord had not given me this love, I should have fallen through the causeway of Aberdeen ere now. But for you, hang on. Your feast is not far off. You shall be filled ere you go. There is as much in our Lord's pantry as will satisfy all his bairns, and as much wine in his cellar as will quench all their thirst. Hunger on, for there is meat in hunger for Christ. Go never from him, but go to him, who yet is pleased with the importunity of hungry souls with a dish full of hungry desires, till he fill you. And if he delay, yet come not away, albeit you should fall a swoon at his feet. Number six, you crave my mind, whether sound comfort may be found in prayer when conviction of a known idol is present. I answer, an idol, as an idol, cannot stand with sound comfort. For that comfort that is gotten at Dagon's feet is a cheat or bluflume. Yet sound comfort and conviction of an eye to an idol may as well dwell together as tears and joy. But let this do you no ill. I speak it for your encouragement that you may make the best of your joys you can, albeit you find them mixed with moats. Soul conviction, if alone, without remorse and grief, is not enough. Therefore, lend it a tear if you are able to obtain it. Number seven, you question. When you obtain more fervency sometimes with your neighbor in prayer, than when you are alone, whether hypocrisy be in it or not? I answer, if this be always, no question a spice of hypocrisy is in it, which should be taken heed to. But possibly desertion may be in private and presence in public, and then the case is clear. A fit of applause may occasion by accident a rubbing of a cold heart, and so heat and life may come. But it is not the proper cause of that heat. Hence God, of his free grace, will ride his errands upon our corruption. But corruption is but a mere occasion and accident, as the playing on a pipe removed anger from the prophet and made him fitter to prophesy. Second Kings. 
Number eight, you complain of Christ's short visits, that he will not bear you company one night. But when you lie down warm at night, you rise cold at morning. Answer. I cannot blame you nor any other who knoweth that sweet guest for bemoaning his withdrawings and being most desirous of his abode and company, for he would captivate and engage the affection of any creature that saw his face. Since he looked on me and gave me a sight of his fair love, he gained my heart wholly and got away with it. Well, well may he brook it. He shall keep it long ere I fetch it from him. But I will tell you what you should do. Treat him well. Give him the chair and the board head and make him welcome to the mean portion you have. A good supper and kind entertainment maketh the gust love the inn the better. Yet sometimes Christ hath an errand elsewhere for mere trial, and then, though you give him king's cheer, he will away, as is clear in desertions for mere trial and not for sin. Number nine, you seek the difference betwixt the motions of the spirit in their least measure and the natural joys of your own heart. Answer. If you sorrow for anything that may offend the Lord, it will speak the singleness of your love to him. Number 10. You ask the reason why sense overcometh faith. Answer. Because sense is more natural and near of kin to our own selfish and soft nature. You ask if faith in that case can be sound? Answer. If it be chased away, it is neither sound nor unsound because it is not faith. But it might be and was faith before sense did blow out the act of believing. Number 11. You ask what to do when promises are borne in upon you and sense of impenitency for sins of youth hindereth application. Answer. If it be living sense, it may stand with application and in this case, put to your hand and eat your meat in God's name. If false, so that the sins of youth are not repented of, then, as faith and impenitency cannot stand together, so neither the sense and application can consist. That was episode 22 of The Letters of Samuel Rutherford. <laughs>